And Mick Guerin joins us. How are you, Mick? I'm well, Matt. A big hi to you and a big hi to all our listeners over there. Mate, hope they're going well. Well, I hope so too. Uh, hey, before we talk about your amazing success at the Ready to Run as New Zealand's fourth richest man and richest journalist, uh, what's this harness racing, race-fixing ink police inquiry that ended up with a donut? Uh, what was that all about? It's a long question, Matt. It's got, got, but we haven't got long enough to discuss it all. But what happened was, I'll paraphrase this, and please don't legalise it anybody. I think this is exactly what happened in technical terms. But there's a professional punter in New Zealand, or semi-professional punter. He fell out with a bloke. The bloke went to the cops and said, hey, guess what? These harness racing people are all crooks. Guess what they do? The cops, rather than coming to someone like me and saying, is this right? went down the path of investigating it. Then very serious police officers got involved. They bugged cars, they bugged Airbnbs and hotel rooms. They followed drivers to the races thinking this was some big scam. Of course, as you know, and anybody listening to this who follows racing knows, if you recorded all racing conversations, not only would you think everybody was doing weird and crazy <laughs> stuff, you would think they were all lunatics as well. And you wouldn't understand and a word they were saying with the lingo we use. Well, if you bugged 10 plumbers or even 10 <laughs> lawyers at an Airbnb and recorded their conversations and wrote them down verbatim, uh, it'd sound very bad. There'd be something, yeah, person, something to misinterpret. Well, how many yeah. times is the person on a work site or someone at the pub say, mate, if you do that, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to give you the bash, son? Just jokingly, but written down, it seems really bad. So it came down to... The perception that, for example, I'll give you a real example, which is an evidence. Prainer was talking to another driver and said, may you be leading here, wouldn't you? And the driver said, you know me, buddy, I always lead. Mm. The other trainer had the horse who's in the trail. It got up and won, and they thought that was him telling him he's going to lead. A conversation that happens a million times. Mm. What happened was it got further and further and further involved. It lasted 17 months at a cost of millions of dollars to the New Zealand Crown. And then there was a five-year investigation. When these drivers, and these are serious drivers, were arrested, bizarrely there were cameras there from a local newspaper who must have known in advance. And there was some vicious, vicious reporting, naming people, front page of the paper photographs of people who now... Five years later, there's been zero criminal convictions. And in fact, none of the cases have even gone entirely through the system. The judges have dismissed them all. There's been some minor recreational drug stuff. Someone got picked up with a couple of MDMAs or ecstasies or whatever they are. But nothing which would change anybody's life and wouldn't even get reported in the real world. So what's happened now is the judge has dismissed the final charges. There's been zero evidence and no convictions of any race fraud. But Harness Racing's caught this massive bleeding nose. One of the participants involved has spent $400,000 in legal defence. Wow. There's been people who have thought about, had, and I say this as delicately as possible, suicidal thoughts. There's been people who have been divorced out of this directly because of evidence given to their spouse by the police. And nothing happened. There'd been no convictions. Hey, have the, the police? Comes to, is there? A, is the threat to the police who conducted this long, long, long 
investigation that they acted improperly. It sounds like there are elements of improper behaviour, tipping off the media, talking to people out of school about things that probably they shouldn't have. Are the police in the gun over this? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, and I by no means am accusing the police of improper behaviour because police investigate an enormous amount of things. When And some of the tactics they use against gang members or drug dealers or some of the really bad people on earth, I find appropriate, mm. even if it may infringe on the <laughs> human rights. Let's not lots go there. That, let's not, go there. Well, let's not of, talk about waterboarding people, or anything like that. Well, <laughs> lots of people in the world would find yeah. police pincering people, but when you have... There's been media people dragged into this. Just to clarify, I have not been involved in any way. I have not been questioned. I have had nothing to do with this. But there's been people in the media who were brought into police rooms and told to go home and tell your wife you're losing your job tomorrow. Jesus. Yeah, serious thing. People like yourself who are just passers-by in the scheme of... It'd be like you being dragged into the, you know, the Robert Smurden inquiries back in the days and that sort of stuff and said, well, you knew, you knew, therefore you're guilty and all that sort of rubbish. Mm, mm all the time and racing about who did what or, you know, <laughs> anyway. So it's all come to nothing. But uh, these are 11 people, most of whom have name suppression and apply for permanent name suppression. Um, they've had their lives dragged through the mud, and, and particularly in the South Island, which is a very small racing community, pictures on the front page of the paper and all that sort of stuff. And they've also had to fork out an enormous amount of money. So then the question of Compensation comes up, yeah. uh, costs, as it's called in front of the courts, but also damage to the industry. Now, we broke the story yesterday that the case is finished and gone, but the actual written delivery of the decision, the final decision, doesn't come to February. So then Harness Racing New Zealand, I believe, need to go on the front foot and yeah. say, excuse me, what's happened here? How did it get this big? Who are you possibly listening to who might told you all this stuff? And how did you think it was a big deal? To give people an indication, the actual main case at the centre was a harness race at Manawatu, where four blokes are roughly, I'll paraphrase this, four blokes are sitting in the pub. One of them says, well, I'll just come around and get the lead on a favourite in a race at Manawatu. Another bloke goes, oh, yeah, well, mate, my horse wouldn't hold you out because the other horse is no good. One of the people involved, an owner, paid $200 on the horse who won and it paid $2.40. So his profit was $280. That person lost their job, their career. Mm -hmm. This was a career racing person. Mm -hmm. That person lost their job for a conversation that would happen at the Emerald Hotel every day of the week. And as you and I both know, Matt, half the time it's complete and utter garbage. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Hong Kong Greg Child, Sunline Adam conversation about who's going to lead, uh, etc. that a journalist reported, and then it ended up with a massive penalty to Greg Childs where a fairly innocuous conversation, if taken to the nth degree and out of context, can look a bit culpable, and that was a classic example of that as well. So reminds me a bit of that. I have conversations all the time where I talk to trainers, and I say, what would you expect to do here? Oh, mm. he's not strong enough, I'll be handing up. Mm. And then I'll talk to another trainer, and I'll say, by the way, and I now have to clarify these conversations. Because I'm just trying to eke the best information for the punters. Mm. And I'm proud of say, by the way, um, you're probably going to hear later this week that these blokes are keen to hand up. It's going to be in the paper on Friday morning and before the race. Because because otherwise you can't frame the conversation, which the next question is, so if you lead, are you 
happy this horse can win. And then you put all that information into a basket and you use it to tip winners on RBC and you use it to drive turnover via the New Zealand Herald. And a lot of it, I've also been on track at Nanangle when there was a change of tactics notification for the Miracle Mile the biggest race in harness racing, a bloke said we'll be staying in front and then handed up down the back straight because things in racing can mm. change so quickly. Yeah. But if the police who didn't have an expert on the case don't understand that, yes, it can sound very suspect or it can sound like people said they were going to do things they didn't do. But of course... That could happen in any part of the world. So it got very, very messy, and the police, like everybody else, um, are charged with getting results. Mm. So there's nothing... I'm not suggesting they did anything inappropriate. I think they went in with a very heavy hand. But they didn't get any results, and the judges don't want a bar of it, and the Racing Integrity Board, which is basically our stewards, have unofficially told me that they're not going to go on with it. So then the question comes back to... What happens to these people? What happens to these people who now live where they didn't live three years ago because they're divorced? They have spent $400,000. What happens to people who went down the back of the farm and thought about taking mm. their lives? Mm. And it's really serious stuff, man. And we spend so much time talking about crap and racing. But this is really human stuff. And it's really important that it's not swept under the table by the same token. The newspaper, which had these people on the front page for a long, long time, hasn't reported on the dismissal of the charges at all. No. Well, and that's that... something which is really important to the media because in the media in Australia do this too. They sensationalise things they don't understand, like the Melbourne Cup and horses breaking down and trainers and all that sort of stuff. But then when anybody gets acquitted, they don't want to report on it because it doesn't get any clicks or they don't want to admit they were wrong. So I think there's people, not only in the police force, who maybe want to look at how they went into this, but there's people in the media who want to say to themselves, should I really be reporting on things I don't understand? No, exactly right. Uh, Okay, well, I'm sure we'll learn more about potential compo and and that sort of stuff down the track. Uh, You're on with Felgate tomorrow, so you might even recap it then. Uh, Just very quickly, um, as a vendor, you did okay at the ready-to-runs? Yeah, we did. It was a strong sale. Um, New Zealand bloodstock were really good um, with getting uh, buyers from Asia down, and they had a different energy to the marketplace. We, we had three lots go through. We had a hundred thousand dollar lot, which we sold for eight hundred, which we bought a book two at Magic's. Um, a lot of a lot of work goes into Tanooking. You know, I'm still learning. By no means am I saying this is because I'm smarter than anybody else. I work with the best guy, the best pinhooker in Australasia. That's not my opinion. He just is. A guy called Sam Beats from Riversley Park. He always tops the ready-to-run sales, and he's the man who found Golden 60. So, man, I've, I've discovered that by working with those people, I learn a lot. And I, the pinhookers are a very smart and hard-working bunch of people. But to give you the flip side of that, Matt, sometimes we go to the yearlings on, on pre-selection vetting and not buy a horse. So you go to the sales, you spend $20,000, and you come home with a zilch. And lots of pinhookers know those stories. So it's not a game for everybody, but yes, last Thursday, Matt, it was uh, very successful and incredibly good fun. And if it keeps me becoming better at my job, then I'll keep doing it.